Oh, pal, are we rolling? Oh, we're rolling. I went I went to the chiropractor twice this week. Two different chiropractors, though. So they both had different techniques for what was going on. And I did not tell either of them much detail about what I went through this weekend. But you got you got a little taste of it maybe on, on the Twitter or somewhere. Possibly, yeah. I saw Trash Can Man in full we'll effect. Get to, yeah, we'll get to the energy repeat. of Trash Can Man. You make um, jumping off things wearing a trash can onto a chair look effortless <laughs> just it has to be effortless because if you think about it for more than half a second you'll stop what you're doing and go guys what i'm sorry i feel i feel like i shouldn't be up here you can't think about it uh this is a very special weekend i feel like now what's cool to me is we had still a lot of listeners this last week where basically i did almost nothing except for being in atlanta we were talking i guess about some pretty interesting stuff uh but nothing is interesting as rock and roll fables if you want awesome coverage of the world of not only rock and roll and the music that comes with it, but comics, fantasy, and all sorts of things, go to rockandrollfables.com or just follow them on Twitter. Get a feel for things that are in our fables. I want to say this, though. Their website actually has better like better things for me to read from than I would be able to myself at rockandrollfables.com. I want to tell you this. You ready, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm going to read it rock and roll. Rock and Roll Fables is a collection of like-minded people who believe that rock and roll is inherently fantastical, utterly unbelievable, and absolutely fucking amazing. We're the rejects from the industry, people who poured our blood, sweat, and tears into our love of all things music, moving, and static picture, media, digital. The revolution's here. I added that part. We love each other and the artists. We hope you love us and them too. Join us for the ride. I say celebrate all parts of rock and roll and it seems like this is very encompassing so check it out they're taking care of us on the show weekend at effie's has been a wild ride so far every weekend what we're going to run into though and i thought about it is a lot of these weekends are going to include similar cities but i mean the adventure is always inherently very different right so we might get a little more creative with the episode names coming up and then put where we were in the in the descriptor i think that makes sense i think so too I started this weekend, Peter, in going to Detroit. I actually had that thought the other day. What thought? That the names were going to change. They're going to have to. You know, it's like time rolls on. I'm going to go back to Chicago tomorrow. I'm going to go back to LA Saturday. I'm going to go back to New York City to Brooklyn Sunday. Not because I'm going to see Survivor Series, but because I am the crow. And I will make my little crow cake with all the crumbs. And Survivor Series leaves a lot of crumbs. So good luck, guys. Find me. You got to email somebody to get to that show this weekend. Like it's like a secret, oh, private Brooklyn event. Very Brooklyn of them, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll think about the episode names. But we started in Detroit, and the reason. See, I was going to be on this Detroit show anyway in some capacity, but the reason my role was shifted to what it was is because of my. Lovely brother, Mance Warner, he has recently suffered a pretty severe injury. And it was not the fault of anyone because I was ready to fight people, but it was a spiral fracture in his leg. It happened on the same day as Dan Housen's leg break. Happened on the same day. There was a lot of leg breaks at this time. There's a lot of injury at this time. But I took on the role. Well, I mean, it's I guess it's free bird rules. I didn't like take on a role. It's SGC teaming up, and me and Matt Justice are both in SGC, but Mance and Justice had been tagging. Myself and AJ had occasionally been tagging. Me and Manders had been hitting each other with cowbells. Things of that nature. 
where we found ourselves was in sort of a GCW classic match for Detroit. The The mood was that uh, Matt Cardona had called Detroit a B-town. You familiar with like, oh, it's a B-town? Right. You know, like bands do a B-town tour, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm glad they're at least coming here. It seems like a small thing. No, we packed out the Knights of Columbus Hall, and I want to say this. We were very respectful. We've been to this venue before. Horror Slam has helped us with this venue before. We were returning to a a new venue in Detroit, I believe, called Harpo's, which is like a a metal mecca. Like it's one of those every band has gone through there and they don't have heat, but they do have Wi-Fi kind of a kind of a spot. But this place, not only was it housing uh international deathmatch wrestling and game changer wrestling's live pay-per-view, uh Something it was something about evil, evil deeds, maybe was the name of the show. Downstairs, there was a celebratory remembrance dinner for someone who had passed away. So, we were trying to be mindful of the celebratory remembrance dinner, but also it smelled so the food smelled so good. It was like Colombian beefsteak and like rice and plantains and. At least know that people ate good in your honor. If that's if a great feast comes from your death, then what a joy that is. Absolutely. What a magic fuck what a magic feeling. Now, prior to this, when when I was in Detroit, there was a curse uh that was discussed. It's broken. The curse is very gone. And luckily now, you know, Allie catch she catches all her flights. She got there. We were we were getting our vibe on and you would think that like, oh, right away, were y'all partying? Your GCW superstars, your wrestlers. Peter, we went and did charity work in the community. Yeah. What did you do? So there's a, a I, don't, I don't want to call them a company. I mean, they're a, they're a nonprofit. And they're owned by a former uh, BMX professional named Dane. I don't know Dane's last name. Cook? Mm, I don't think it's Dane Cook. He, he, he didn't do stand-up routines for me while I was trying to help the kids. Uh, but Dane did show us right away. I mean, there was a big cluster of us there from GCW. Alley catch was there. Brett, you know, the, the owner of GCW was there. Jordan Oliver was there. Uh, what up Doe? It's your boy. KG was there. Uh, Giancarlo was there helping and filming. Um, Tony Deppen was there. You know, we were out in full force and our job basically was there was these old bikes that had been donated. We were going to break them all the way down. They were then going to refurbish and clean them and they give out free bikes to kids in the community. It's incredible. So they, you're just literally taking bikes apart? We're taking bikes apart. Okay. We're covered in grease. We're fired up. We're sweaty. We're pro wrestlers. And we're taking apart bikes for the kids in a warehouse. For a half second, I was like, are they throwing the no, bikes? No, no, no. Once they get other? all these old bike parts apart, they can and refurbish they them, the the fix kids? them, and then build them from the ground up to make sure that okay. each bike is not, you're not just, if your charity was just like, Hey kid, we found a bike over here. It's yours now. That's our charity. You know, we don't pay taxes. That's like that's a little more scandalous than like, okay, let's take in all these parts. Let's see what we can use where. Because there's specific parts, specific bikes. And you're going, well, yeah, they're on the bike. Yeah, but these parts need to be cleaned. They need to be refinished. They need to be oiled. They need to be checked for stability. If you give a kid a free bike and then he, you know, it, it collapses on him, what good is the free bike? Either way, it was very fun, very helpful. Um, I did sneak away for a bit of a private lunch with Alley Catch uh, while the rest of the gang was having uh, like a pizza party. Mm. I don't know if there were trophies or not, like a little league thing, but it was there was excitement in the air. Was that the oysters? Uh, 
let me think for a second because I think that came later. Me and Allie Catch kept eating the best of the best. Like I want to, the thing is, are my profit margins worse when I eat well? Yeah, hell yeah. But when I eat well, I am full of joy and I'm full of happiness. And Peter, one of my love languages, uh, and I've accepted this and I didn't realize it for a long time. I love to be able to nourish people, but I don't really want to cook them a meal. I feel like too much of my emotion rides in my food when I'm cooking. A lot of people don't know that like was borderline going to some culinary schools. Oh, when I was getting out of high school, I was real into, I was real, real into the cooking, but it's too emotional for me to cook for other people. I cook for me now and me alone. And luckily I have a partner who he doesn't like salt or seasoning, which oddly, you know, it's, it's, you, it doesn't matter. He doesn't season food at all. Uh, so I, if, if he cooks, I have to season it myself. Or if I cook, I have to go low on the seasoning. We're eating for nourishment in my house, not necessarily flavor all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I do go out, I eat. My brother made fun of me. He said, you waste so much money on food. I go, well, you waste so much money on your yard and, and, you know, khaki jeans. You know, we all waste money on stuff. But if I'm in a restaurant and that appetizer looks good, they had these arancini balls that I just can't even, it doesn't matter. I like nourishing people, and when I'm out to eat, when I'm spending a little money, and especially when I'm around indie wrestlers, okay? It's not a brag. I make more than most indie wrestlers. If I can buy you a meal, if I can take you out, if I can make sure you're fed well and you're not going, well, I only sold four shirts. I can't really be scheming out on the Western omelet. Brother, get the Western omelet. Effie's going to cover it. We got this covered. They can argue. I don't care. I want to eat good. I want you to eat good. There's happier joy when we can eat. I've been on days where I don't get to eat wherever I am. Let me eat. Let me have it. Let me have my flavors. We went to the show. Now, this is what's cool. I kind of pulled uh, pulled production to the side. I said, listen, I said, I got to be on pretty early. And I said, why? I said, don't worry about it. It's me. Trust it. I got to be on early. So they put our match first, which was just like, I feel like we opened the show in chaos and this entire weekend's like sort of the wrestling uh, highlight of everything was just chaos. Chaos was always the the high point. And there were doors and tables and milk crates and moves. And I got to be in the ring with, you know, one of my favorite guys in the world, Matt Justice, who is someone who I look up to. He's been in wrestling a very long time, but I also just like hanging out with the guy. And then I get to be across from the ring from two of literally the best wrestlers in the world, Tony Deppen, who now Tony Deppen, if you go up and you go, Tony, you're a great wrestler. He'll give you 25 reasons. He's not. And that's because Tony Deppen doesn't want to take the credit. Tony's incredible. Tony's so good at professional wrestling. Um, I think he knows that though, but he's just, there's a lot of things Tony doesn't like, but I like Tony good for Tony and Alex Zane, who was, you know, not treated all the way correctly. I don't think in, uh, in his WWE NXT run, but he did get better highlights than a lot of guys in there. And he's also a guy who, you know, all shucks, they're sending me home. What do I do? I immediately get back on the indies. I crush it. I hustle. He's right back out there. He knows. Alex Zane knows. So it's always an honor, hey, Lucy, to have opponents across from you where you're like, not only are you guys incredible wrestlers, which makes my job so much easier, you are also... uh, you have the mindset of wrestling that I have, which is hustle, hustle, get it done. What's next? It's never enough. Let's go for more. You're holding a, a splinted up hand, almost like a Hindu mudra. Yeah, I think 
Peter, I think I might look ridiculous right now, and I'm starting to just accept that for utilities purpose, I'm always going to look a little ridiculous. I'm wearing, I'm wearing basically a sorority girl's outfit with a wrist brace and also a silk bonnet because... I'm tired of my hair getting tangled in my dreamscapes in the night. And I know this is a little hard left from the match, but we're going to pretend we're still in the match. Imagine me and Tony slapping each other. Now, I'm a big fan of this substance called mugwort. Are you familiar with mugwort? I am familiar with mugwort. How witchy of you. You can buy it on Etsy for $3. Who cares? And when I'm in my dream world, and sometimes I don't sleep a lot, but when I do sleep, I go to the dream world. I want to be in my dream world. I get a lot done in there. It's a fun place. Uh, my dream center is a theme park. I figured it all out. That's fine. But I do tend to move around a lot in the night while I'm in these deep sleeps and while I am lucidly in my other spaces. You know what the fuck you're talking about when it comes to dreaming. I'm a dream guy. And I think they're magic. And But inward is infinite. You know, Outward is uh, measurable. That's That's deeper than we need to talk about here. Either way, my hair in the night with this fine, beautiful... Uh, blonde, luscious hair was getting run on these pillowcases that are fantastic, you know, quality pillowcases, but they are not silk. And I've started wearing this silk bonnet and my hair has uh, gained the lusciousness I was looking for. It's wrapped up now, you know? Without the bonnet, you look like an anime character. With the bonnet, you look like a Wes Anderson character. I'll take that. Uh, You know, once again, shout out to... uh, what was it? The, the French Dispatch? Is that? Am I saying the name right? I that believe movie? so. I talked about it last week. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So, we, and I think the wrist piece accompanies that. If I only had a necklace at this point. Um, either way, I want to protect my hair right now. I've got to keep it for a little while at least. Effie is fine. This isn't something to worry about. Um, but yes, in the dreamscape, there's a lot I get done. If you want to learn more about dreaming and mugwort, hit me up about that. I might answer. I don't know. Detroit, we won the match. These tables keep fucking on us. Every time we try to double stack a table, they fuck on us. And luckily, everybody survived it, but I wasn't that worried. I did do a big power pose. Let's get to the rest of Detroit because not only did Alley Catch defeat by submission Chelsea Green, the fiance of Matt Cardona, uh, Chelsea tried to get involved in the Alex Shelley Cardona match, attacked a ref. Allie Catch went in there to say, we're not doing that here. We're not playing that game. And she did get clipped in the fucking face by Matt Cardona. Now, Matt Cardona is a pretty big guy. I would say like 230, 6'3", pretty big guy. And, you know, when I clothesline somebody, I'm going to try to hit him in the chest. He did not, he was not mindful of the height difference at all. And he just, he just clipped her in the, in the face. And, you know, she can fight her own battles, but I had to get in there. Um, they, you know, double teamed on it. I know Chelsea's got some anger because I beat up children one time or whatever hit me all you want either way sat on her face sat on his face Alex Shelley wins I I just want to be clear and clear up any rumors I did not fart on Chelsea Green's face when I sat on her face I did fart on Matt Cardona's face when I sat on his face so here's where things get crazy like the show was great Oftentimes I ask myself, I'm like, am I too casual out here after a show? Because I'll just, I'll go out in my gear. I mean, it was like 30 degrees out there. I was just smoking, smoking with the fans, hanging out, enjoying my time. And they said, well, we're going to try to get part of the way to Chicago tomorrow. I said, okay. We're going to start driving. I said, okay. We got, we got food. Oh, we got food at a cool spot. And I only say that the food was not good. I want to clear that up. And 
poor Matt Justice ate there twice in the, in his Detroit time. We went to Eminem's restaurant, which is next to a music venue, which is themed after the line from that song from that movie that he was in, and it's called Mom's Spaghetti, okay? And they serve spaghetti in Chinese carryout boxes. There's no meat to the spaghetti sauce, and the spaghetti sauce is mostly just like, I thought it was just crushed tomatoes. It felt that way. The noodle's a little soggy, but I do want to highlight the reason it was good food for me. They made me a spaghetti sandwich grilled cheese thing. Melt, I guess they would call it. So they just put the spaghetti and sauce on two pieces of Texas toast, and they put cheese on the Texas toast, and then they grilled it, and they served it to me. And it was only carbohydrates, but after having a big tag match, after running in, after sitting on faces, after expelling all those farts, smoking and, you know, chugging Diet Coke, I needed that spaghetti sandwich. It was fantastic. We had to drive after this spaghetti sandwich, though. Uh-oh. We had to go. And this is, you're like, oh, well, just go to Chicago. It's pretty far, Detroit to Chicago. And you're like, why aren't you guys flying Detroit to Chicago? Not really a thing. Like, really not a thing. Doesn't make sense. Stupid flight. Uh, so we're going to drive it. Cool. It's cold. Insano winter snowstorm hits. Oh, shit. Okay. We're in this car. We are driving. I'm talking about, like, these snowflakes must have been the size of my hand. I mean, giant snowflakes, not just like, Oh, here's like giant snowflakes, a lot of them and nobody out on the road piling up scary stuff. Took us the full four hours to get the two hours and we made it to Watervliet, Michigan. Now this is where things get rowdy. Okay. And I talked to, I talked to Gringo Loco about the situation I'm about to discuss because he has been there for previous iterations of this that I don't think we've ever gotten to tell on the show. So I'm going to tell the first one before I tell you what happened at breakfast in Watervliet, Michigan. We went to bed, we went to the hotel, we're done with it. And a lot of us ended up at this same hotel in Watervliet because it was the middle point. It was right there. There's food, there's gas. It makes sense. We go to this little cafe, which I cannot remember the name of. Maybe it's like Main Street Cafe. It's one of those, you know. Right. We go in and we do not look, uh, we do not look necessarily like the folk of the town of Waterfleet, Michigan. And it is myself, is my tag partner, uh, Ali Catch from Bussy, is Giancarlo, and Giancarlo has been filming stuff for me and trying to get this uh, Matt Cardona footage uh, edited correctly so Matt Cardona looks at least a little threatening when he's... Either way, we look pretty weird. And we're not even trying to look... Like, this isn't our weirdest. This is just us existing in the morning. And we're trying, we're about to make this drive to Chicago. We're going to go watch the Nick Age Invitational Deathmatch Tournament. It's going to be incredible. We go to breakfast. Now, we are ordering coffees, pancakes, all the things, all the breakfast things. And then this guy comes up to us. So here's where I go back. When we were in Wyoming, I really don't think I've talked about this on the show. I had breakfast with Manders and Gringo Loco and maybe one other person and myself. And we went outside afterwards. And this man came up and he started proselytizing, which if you're not familiar with the word, it's when uh, a middle to upper age white Christian men start talking to you like you're, they're your dad and trying to convince you to come to a church with usually a pamphlet that uh, has a picture of someone that looks like you or your friends uh, being admonished for their sinful life. So he comes up and proselytizes. And this is not the route I took on 
today's situation in Waterfleet, Michigan, but this is the route I took then. He said, you know, you boys need to find a church. Uh, here's one for you. And I said, oh, I already found uh, my own religion. And I showed him the demonic symbol on the back of my leg. And I said, I made a pledge with the devil. And he just started like running off, running. It's faster to deal with it that way. Yeah. And they don't expect it. And like, what a fun gag to have a demonic symbol on the back mm-hmm. of your leg. Well, in this situation, the man came up and he said, you know, are you guys, uh, you know, do you have a home church? And we were just honest. We said, look, we're traveling through. We, we traveled down to town. We go all over the place. And, you know, Giancarlo's from the north, but me and Allie Cash, we're southern. And this isn't south, but we're kind of more used to seeing this sort of thing in the south anyway. We keep it very casual. We keep it very polite. We keep it very sweet, very kind. Thank you. He loved Watervliet. He grew up there. He's never left Watervliet. They have train tracks coming through the town. These are... Uh, they're wonderful people who've just never explored the world the way we have, and that's fine. They don't have the same experiences and learnings that we have, and that's fine. We were polite. We kept it easy. Don't want to get deep. Have a good one. Boom. Paid for our entire table. All of it. Sorry, that gentleman over there paid for everything, and then he was already gone by the time he had paid. And I was like, sick. This is great. I'm still going to show my demonic symbol if it gets a little weird. In this situation, though, we kept it cool and casual. We got the meal. I was ready to pay for the whole meal. I was ready to be like, Effie's buying breakfast, baby. We sold a couple 8 by 10s last night. Uh, but instead, boom, meal paid for. We're out the door. Easy drive into Chicago. Just, it was very light and lovely, and there's clearly no curse anywhere in Detroit anymore. Shout out, Detroit. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to stay the night or stay at the casinos, but... Hint, we're going to get there because we're only at the Nick Gage Invitational. Oh, gosh. Now, this deathmatch tournament was done early in the afternoon at 4 p.m. because uh, All Elite Wrestling had a pay-per-view that night. And you don't want to make fans choose. Fans are fans of professional wrestling. And they're excited about a lot of these AEW full gear matches. I mean, Hangman ends up winning the title. You've got Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. You've got some crazy tag matches. You've got uh, a fantastic women's match on the pre-show, I'm pretty sure. Was there one on the main show? Let, send in an email to weekendedeffies at gmail.com. Let us know. I do want to say, in, uh, in women's wrestling news, there were two full singles matches of women's wrestling Friday night in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Rina Yamashita fought Charlie Evans in an international death match. And I want to say, Charlie Evans, you're right. It is just wrestling. It's not women's wrestling or women's death wrestling. It is just professional wrestling. But I do want to say this. It's awesome to see a company take that risk and just go that direction. Also, obviously, Alley Catch, Chelsea Green, boom, tapped out. Another match. We love it. Uh, put more women on the main event. Put more women on the main card. We get to the Nick Cage Invitational. Right away, there's confusion, right, Peter? They said, uh, you guys are wrestling now. Now, I wasn't scheduled to wrestle. I was supposed to go to Texas. Show miss, got mixed up. Allie was supposed to go to Texas. Show got mixed up. We're here. He said, you want to wrestle? I said, I'll do it. Allie said, I don't want to mess my gear up in the glass. They said, easy tag match, we'll do it. Then, 10 minutes later, after I bring in all my gear, no tag match. The show's going to go too long. Perfect. Fine. So I said, I just get to watch wrestling. Now, let me tell you about this venue. And I love all venues. And this, they are from Mexico. These are Mexicans from Mexico. So I can say it is owned by a Mexican family. The tamales are so good. They have cheap Diet Cokes and sodas. They also have a Snapple machine if you're feeling wild. This venue is so clean. And I always feel like 
once again, I need to know some Spanish. And we have to talk about another reason I need to know Spanish here in a minute. Because I, I just want to say something in Spanish. Oh, uh, yeah. I used a translator because I, uh, that's, I'm nervous. We'll get there. I always want to go reassure them that, like, I know this looks like literally a crime scene. We will clean it up spectacularly. Your venue that you're used to hosting nice events in is covered in blood and glass and barbed wire and flesh. And it's a lot. So, but I couldn't. And I just said, We're, we will clean. We'll clean. And they, I think they understood. But they were still very nervous the whole time, as they probably should have been. Because this deathmatch tournament was nutso. Not only did you have Alex Cologne, who three times in a row won another deathmatch tournament called the Tournament of Survival that I was in and couldn't get past the first round. That man wrestled three whole matches of death on that. And tonight, he did the same thing at the NGI. Three full matches of death and won the Nick Cage Invitational. This is huge. Uh, Cologne had to go through a lot of people, and there were a lot of people in this tournament. Now, I think... Kit Osborne got a bad name, but we're going to talk about Kit a lot in a second. Akira coming into GCW for the first time in a match showed out, did lose, but showed out. Charlie Evans surviving two rounds of the Nick Cage Invitational. Incredible. Rina Yamashita getting in, uh, I believe, was it two rounds? Maybe. Maybe it was just one round in the Nick Cage Invitational. I'm not sure. Either way, the finals, Takeda, Alex Cologne, nuts. Atticus Kogar and Jordan Oliver have their own thing going on. I'm a Jordan Oliver guy through and through. Atticus, you know, we had the war games together. You tried to kill me. I'm with Jordan Oliver. Big breakfast. There's a lot going on. But me and Allie did say, hey, if we're here and we're not on a match, we're just watching this show, we're doing commentary somewhere. They said, you guys can go do commentary on the scramble match. We said, perfect. This match was crazy, full of lucha stuff. Allie and myself are such good friends anyway. Scramble is where it's like everyone together. Right. One fall to a finish. I think there were eight people in this match. All kinds of craziness going on. People loved me and Allie on commentary together. They loved it. Because we're trying to make sure we're explaining things right. But we're also very casual about it. We're excited at the right parts. And best of all, no offense to anyone in this match. Scrambles are hard to call. If there is anything that gets kind of fucky and looks like caca on the screen... We can cover it up and we can explain things and I'm masterful at it. And I'm happy to add my commentary skills to any show necessary. Please add me in. Uh, I've done it for Enjoy Wrestling. I always just jump on it, GCW, because I get excited. Let me know if you want commentary. I can do it from the house or I'll come to your venue. I might even wrestle too. At Enjoy Wrestling, I did that. I wrestled uh, right after doing commentary on two matches. I was the third match. It's crazy. So, Deathmatch Tournament, Wild. Uh, Rina, Rina Yamashita, who is a Japanese deathmatch legend, gave me my favorite quote of the night. She saw that I was smoking the Mountain Dew of marijuana, known as the dab. And she said, uh, that's great. She said, and I'm going to do this as carefully as possible. She said, so high that you go to heaven. <laughs> and I said, yes, I am so high that you go to heaven. It was incredible. We found our way to communicate. We had fun all weekend. We hung out in Detroit and uh, and in Chicago. So it is always lovely to know that, like, hey, we don't necessarily speak the same language. We are from the same world of wrestling, so we have certain things that, that we can, you know, bond on. But we find our way to communicate. But it's like, it's still like, give me that download disc. This is why I want the wrist, the wrist thing. When are they putting the chip in my wrist so I can 
get the DLC. I want the Russian, the French, the the Japanese, and the Spanish DLC right now. Let's go. Je parle français. There's actually really good research for taking LSD and learning languages at a fast paced rate. I would believe it. Yeah, absolutely. I've sometimes felt like I could. When I, I'll tell you the best way to learn Spanish. When I went to Spain for like two weeks one time, guess how much Spanish I knew, Peter? None. And I went to Spain, and my friend was like, I was hanging out with my friend who was over there, and he was like, "Well, I gotta do, I gotta go to work and go to school, so you're just kind of on your own for a lot of this." And I was like, "Sick." Here I am in Spain. You figure it out quick. Cerrado. Cerrado. Go por qué? And they go siesta. It's always a fucking siesta over there. I love it. Okay, siesta. Paella. That's all I cared about. All right. So had a great time at the Deathmatch tournament. Ended up getting a room in Chicago that night, which is what a pleasure, what a time. And had a few people come and buy the room. Now, some of them didn't make it. But I'll tell you who did make it. It was Kit Osborne. Now, Kit Osborne was in this tournament, announced for this tournament, coming back from an ankle injury, and he had recently lost a match to me in Brooklyn after being buried alive by Chris Dickinson. And here's what I'm going to get at with Kit. Kit has been a punching bag for a lot of people, but Kit is a damn good pro wrestler, and he's a damn good promo, and he's damn fun to hang out with. I'm going to be honest. Anybody who's not taking some time to hang out with Kit, you're missing out. Because he showed up to the room, and guess what, Peter? He said, there's a casino a mile and a half from here. And I said, oh boy. Oh boy. We went to the front desk and we said, well, you said, is there, is there like a taxi? Is there anything? And the lady who was working there kind of gave us this look. And I hope he doesn't hear this. Like, oh, uh, Rich can take you. I said, awesome. Um, and Rich was with her and Rich is, he, he was training. And this is going to get to a point. So I'm not dogging any. I really enjoyed Rich. And Rich was so training. It's rich that we don't want to hear this. Well, no, I do want Rich to hear this actually, okay. as I'm telling the full if story. If anyone knows how care. to get a hold of Rich, Rich will like this. Podcast. And this is where I'm going to slip back into uh, uh, Mr. Gibson, uh, boss man, Mr. Gibson. Perfect, uh, Mr. Gibson. Uh, you you can't tell the customers that they're they're dumb. Well, she was dumb. All right, so Mr. Gibson is going to assess this, but we have to. This is going to jump around a bit, as we usually do. She said, well, Richard can take you to the casino. I said, "It's, ma'am, it's 11.30 at night. Richard doesn't need to drive us to the casino. She said, well, Richard's training, and you know, I can't show him too much right now while I'm just checking in guests, so Richard can take you to the casino. I said, perfect. I said, well, can you, can you give us 10 or so minutes, and we'll come get you? I said, yeah, we don't care. Richard puts us in the truck, and we, you know, me and Kit have, as, as I do with most wrestlers, we have kind of a, a language of us talking where we're, just chatting about a lot of stuff at once, but we're using sort of wrestling terms, non-wrestling terms, slang terms. Richard's picking up on some of it though. And he goes, wait a second. He goes, are y'all with the AEW? And we are not. We said we are not with AEW. We said we were doing, we were over at the, uh, the GCW deathmatch tournament today. And he said, oh, you see the Nick Gage Invitational. So Rich knew. We said, yeah. He said, oh man. And he said, we started talking about wrestling a little bit. Little, little did we know we were already at the casino. Now I told Kit, I said, Kit, this can go one of two ways and I'll know pretty quick. I said, but I got to know pretty quick. Now, I don't want to hear any feedback on this technique yet, Peter. We can talk about it after. But I've been using a new technique that maybe we've discussed slightly uh, with dice as a tarot check and as an energy check. Have I talked to you about this? Oh, you did dice once uh, at Fest. Yeah. What I roll? I don't remember what you rolled. doesn't matter. 
when I was at Ring of Honor, I'll preface this with when I was at Ring of Honor, I said, uh, I keep the two dice in my backpack. You can find them if you want to see them. I'll show you. They're magic. I won them at an arcade. Uh, I said, uh, AJ Gray, you're my tag partner today against the Briscoes. Big moment. People enjoyed me punching the shit out of those dudes. They they didn't think I was going to do it. They thought I was talking. Watch that match. I punched the fuck out of those dudes. I beat the shit out of those dudes. Uh, there's some kidney punches to Jay Briscoe that aren't even as good as the headshots, but I'm, they make such good sound. I said, we got to roll the dice, AJ. We got to check the energy here. Now, at this point, what happens? We both roll identical sevens, four, three sevens. And I said, well, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I was understanding the energy wrong because what happened was I was told in the game of craps, when I play that pass line and I have nothing on the table and I have no bet set other than my pass, guess what? If I roll a craps then... I get paid out. I had nothing on the table for Ring of Honor. We both rolled craps. It went swimmingly well. We had a great time. I had to rethink how these energies read. Either way, I rolled a nine before we went up to the casino. We're good. I said, Kit, I'm not going to explain everything about this to you, but if the energies are right in here, we can't stay too long. And he said, why? I said, because if I'm up, up, I can't play it too long because it'll be, it'll be messy. He said, fine. How do we check it? I'm walking around this casino in near Chicago and the table minimums are super high. We're not talking like, Oh, you can get a 10, 15, 25. These are like $50 table minimums. I said, let's just go put 50 on blackjack and check the room. Everything been coming up kind of even red, black, whatever. I said, whatever, here we go. Red hit it, doubled it. I said, Oh boy, maybe it's a fluke, but let's find out. Go to a table, hit up. Okay. Now I'm starting to play. Now we sit down. Kip says, I'll play a little slots with this. I'll play a little slot. Slow us down. 20s at a time. Slot in. Big hit bonus. Little money. So, okay. Next one. Slot in. Within three hits. Big hit bonus. Okay. Next one. Boom. At this point, I said, I'm off for a second. Because it's reading too good, Peter. And I know you're, play- you're playing with something magic here. I said, Kit, where are you going? I got to go pee. He goes to the uh, crafts table. I'm not going to do it because I'm too deep in. I said, well, let's just check one more time. I throw a 20 in just a random machine I'm walking by. Hit a bonus. I said, disgusting. This is disgusting. He said, if you're hitting on everything, why don't you keep playing? I go, because they're fucking with me and I don't have time for it. So I get up a little. We'll leave it at that. I get up a little. I don't want to. I hit some nice bonuses, but it wasn't like I'm not walking out with five grand or something, but I'm fine. But I said, trust it in it. And you know what? By reading it that way and being in the, the space I was in, typically I'm I'm running gun in there on that devil energy in any kind of casino. I got big gambler energy, even in arcades, dude. Like I'm big, big energy on that. Um, it was very measured and it was there. And I just kept laughing every time I won because I go, a fucking course. Of course. We got out of there. We called Richard. He was there in 10 minutes. Took us back. Big Rich. Talked a little more about wrestling. And I went back in and it was the same manager that was on duty. She's still dealing with rich. She's got him there. I said, and I'm looking at myself and I look pretty ridiculous. I mean, I've just been at a blood wrestling show all day and we look pretty wild. And I said, ma'am, I, you know, I don't want to speak out of line. I said, I know I look a little ridiculous, but I did run businesses for a while. I did have a lot of managerial experience. I've hired and fired a lot of people. And I'm going to tell you this. I said, and rich, don't take this the wrong way. He said, I won't. I said, to have that kind of gung-ho spirit, to have that positive attitude, to have that kind of readiness for whatever task came up and whatever you needed to do, whether it be take people to the casino, help carry bags, help people get you know pillows to the room, 
if he doesn't have the most technical skill in the world or he's not as far ahead as people who have been in the hotel a while, I said, I will take that guy all day, every day over the guy who thinks he knows everything and treats this like the slums or whatever it may be. I said, I will take him every day. I said, so be patient. I know it's late, but I think you've got someone really good on your hands. And I left it that. And she doesn't have to take that energy, but she's got to be, you know, she's seen me a few times in the night already. She's, you know, gotten a look at me and felt the energies and seen who I'm with. So she has to know I'm a little bit of a, a, a wild style player in the hotel times, but I think she heard it. I think she understood it. I did leave her with one last bit. I left both of them with one last bit, which have you ever read the book, uh, how to train a wild elephant? No. Okay. Well, I recommend it to everyone. It changed my brain. It's a, it's a book about mindfulness, about, uh, every space being different and and the way we approach everything. And it helped me a lot when I was dealing with customer service stuff, running a moving company, which is you're touching everybody's personal items in a truck. If you don't break something, it's a miracle, but that's the expectation. And you know, their bookshelf probably does mean a lot to them. Maybe their grandma really did give it to them, but I don't, it's a, you know, it's a 60 cent a pound claim for me. You were offered insurance. You, you got to approach every single situation mindfully. And the way that mindfulness sort of is easily explained is every person, every door, every uh, new entry, it's all a brand new situation, especially in customer service and especially in hotels. Everyone has to be a fresh slate. And that is the hardest thing to calculate into your brain, not bringing in your personal self into a job where you're just a function, not bringing in the previous two customers who were so rude into the next person who's just, you know, maybe Monica's had a long drive and she's not the nicest, but you know, she's just checking in and trying her best having that. I didn't explain it in as long of words. It was something cute and slick and Elvisy, you know, but saying, Hey, if you can hit that reset button every time you do with anything good or bad, And not that you're forgetting, not that you're throwing it away, not that you're being apathetic or not empathetic to the things that are going on, but being able to reset, boy, it, it makes you feel so good. And you don't pile things on. You don't snowball things. You don't go, well, this lady and this lady and this and that. And I had to, and you can snowball. And when you snowball and reach that snowball gets even bigger and bigger. And you're looking for that mindfulness reset every time. God bless rich. I had a beautiful night's sleep. And then guess where I went? Minneapolis, Minnesota, baby. Flew out of O'Hare, flew into Minneapolis. Now, I had gotten to wrestle in Minneapolis, but it was at a beer house called Beer House. Bauhaus? Bauhaus Beer House. Shout out Bauhaus Beer House. Great food, great beer. I didn't drink the beer. I had the kombucha. They had kombucha. It was fantastic. But at that event, I had... uh, I had felt the spirit of Minneapolis, but I wasn't, for my own selfish reasons, I wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. And I told the promotion that too. Because First usually runs their shows at First Avenue, Peter. And that is not only where they film parts of Purple Rain, many parts of Purple Rain, uh, but it was one of Prince's home venues. It was a real hangout spot for Prince. It is the Minneapolis like music mecca. This place has... So much history in it, and so much has gone down in there. But before I got there, there was another Minneapolis thing I had to do. And I landed extremely early, and I kind of did it on purpose. Because only a few miles from the airport and only two miles from my lovely hotel, which I'm going to talk about this hotel in a minute for funny reasons, and no offense to the promotion who got me the hotel, I think the hotel's fine. I've stayed there plenty of times. The room we were given on this, we'll get back to it. The Mall of America. Now, the Mall of America, Peter, to you, is it's like a big mall. It's a big thing. 
It's a legendary place that I've never been to. When I was growing up in Kenya, friends would go to the States. They would go to the Mall of America and come back with stories of this fantastical place. Yes. So it might as well be imagination land for all it's worth in my brain. And I think that goes for almost everyone, but I think for wrestling fans, it is a different kind of mecca. Now, I'm going to fill you in if you didn't know this, Peter. Back when Ted Turner uh, bought World Championship Wrestling, they started a new television program. I believe, I don't know the day, day and time. The very first episode of this television program called Nitro, WCW Monday Night Nitro, was filmed right in this four-story atrium in the middle of the Mall of America. And it still stands in that same exact space to this day. Different stuff there. And walking through this mall, it is massive. It is almost a maze with these huge openings that just like appear to you. But this particular space, you immediately as a wrestling fan, you go, oh my God. Now... This is where we start getting into the energy of Minneapolis. And I want to make sure that I'm giving this correctly. Uh, and I might, I might have you take some of these pauses out because I'm going to do a little research here. You're going to love this, Peter. All right, let's, we're going to go to, I just have to confirm because if I go in this long story and it's not confirmed. You're going uh, caseless on the iPhone. I had to get this case off that I got. It was a battery case because it worked really well for like four days. And then all of a sudden, uh, it would charge the battery case but not charge my phone. So it's scandalous. I have a new case on the way. I will not be leaving for the weekend without a case on my phone. All right, reading from the wiki. The first episode of Nitro was broadcast from the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota on September 4th, 1995. Now, they go into the matches, but here's what I'm talking about. And I got to spend time with this man recently on that show in Connecticut, Lex Luger. This show was also highlighted by the return of Lex Luger to WCW after having spent the previous two-plus years wrestling for the WWF. Luger's appearance was particularly jarring because he had just wrestled a match for WWF the previous evening. match was his final contractual obligation with the company. The next day, he signs it over. This is all happening at once. He's in two companies at once. All right? Guess who else was in two companies at once this same day? Walking in the Mall of America, it was me. That Ring of Honor match with the Briscoes debuted the same time I was in the ring with Darren Corbin. Like, the exact same. They were tweeting about my match as my music was hitting, talking about the clips and stuff, while I was in the ring with Darren Corbin. Incredible timing on this. Oh, wow. The spirit of Lex Luger Nitro of, I was at WWF and now I'm at, you know, here. I was doing it simultaneously. Shout out to Lex Luger. Shout out to the Mall of America. Here's where it gets weird. I was wearing hat down, hair up. Coat, hoodie, pants, mask. I was pretty covered up. I did not have sunglasses on. You could see my eyes. AEW is also in town. First Wrestling is also in town. There are a lot of wrestling fans in the Mall of America. Not that I'm trying to hide and not that they would all recognize me anyway, but I'm trying to keep it pretty low key because I'm taking in this mall for myself. Right. I bought some little cute Japanese toys for AJ. I ate a whole freaking waffle covered in cookie butter and whipped cream that apparently was on some Bobby Flay show. Shout out Bobby Flay. Uh, eventually, though, someone was smart enough and they said, Effie. And I've got half a waffle in my mouth. And I said, yes. And so if you knew, you knew. But now, boom, the picture went up immediately. Now everyone knew I was in the Mall of America. And they started walking around. And then more people started recognizing me. 
and seeing me and they kind of knew where I was. And not like it was like the Beatles getting off the plane. Like this isn't One Direction coming to JCPenney to sing about, you know, their new jeans line that's very stretchy. Uh, this is me just like wandering a mall before a show, like pretty stoned, but loving, loving the retail spirit of America. And I'm sitting here. This is what really disappoints me is I waited a little too long, Peter. Um, the Nickelodeon uh, theming has taken over the whole uh, roller coaster and amusement ride section. Okay. And I am a big amusement ride guy. And this is part of the reason I'm very frustrated myself and Matt Cardona can't get along and he keeps being such a prickly dick is because we both really do love theme parks. And I think he would really enjoy doing a speed run. Peter, have you ever done a speed run of a theme park? No. All right. Well, it's not for everyone. And if you can't keep up, you got to just go sit down because I'm not slowing down. I'm the master of it. You have to highlight every ride you want to do. We don't require everything. High assault. You go as fast as you can through to get the rides. You get bonus points for front seats. You get bonus points for uh, yeah, doing extra stuff on the way. Maybe you threw another ride in, but you got to hit everything. It's all timed. You can't run. That's the thing in these theme parks. You cannot run. There's no running, but you got to get through them as fast as you can. Either way, you're not doing a speed run with me, Cardona, and I bet yours won't be as fun as mine anyway. I got yelled at one time in an animal kingdom for, for running, doing a speed run. This is before I got off alcohol. So this is a long time ago. A lot of my friends worked at Disney. I said, I'm going to speed run Animal Kingdom while my friends are at work. It's just me. Was pounding those African beers with the zebras on them and running. Goofy's handler almost tackled me over by the dinosaur part of the park because I was just jogging through rides trying to get to dinosaur. Well, not that like there's a dinosaur part of the park, but there's also a dinosaur ride in the, it doesn't matter. And they're like, you can't run. You can't. And I was like, what? But I guess liability's sake, you don't want people running through, either kicking a kid or tripping or falling in the ocean. You never know. Don't run. You can't run on speed runs. That's one of the number one rules. They work really hard to hide those accidents and deaths at Disney. Oh, nobody's ever died on Disney World property. Mm -hmm. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. Get them off the land. You know how many tunnels are underneath there? Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. I did not ride any of the rides for a few reasons. Number one, it was Sunday morning and I was there very early, but I spent too much time shopping. And by the time I got down there, it was all six to 12 year olds. Okay. And I, I'm me alone and I already look kind of weird. You can't do it. Number two, these aren't the craziest coasters. I wanted to say, oh, I rode a ride in the mall of America. But but then I thought living scrapbook style is never the way to do things because you're setting up energies for things that could not even be what you need. And you may be pushing past something or, or stepping on people to do something just for the name of doing it. But here's where I was really disappointed. Uh, I left them all rather rapidly after getting recognized just out of my own sake. And then mouse and Marcus Mathers and Billy Stark showed up right after me at the mall and went and rode a bunch of rides. And Marcus Mathers, I believe, just turned 18. Billy Starks is about to turn 17. I'm fighting her on her 17th birthday. Mouse, her dad, is old. He's an an older guy. Not old, but like my age. And does photography at all the wrestling shows. Incredible photographer. If I would have just waited five minutes, I could have blended in with them and been like, oh, like, I'm going to ride with my niece and it's cool. Like... Hey, Billy Sarks, I'm going to use you for cover here. Let me, I just want to ride rides. It would have been fine. I had to get out of there. And maybe it's for the best because right after that, my roommate for the night showed up, Dan the dad. We got into the room 
at the same time because earlier I got there and they're like, room's not ready. I was like, it's fine. I'm going to the mall. Can I leave my suitcase? They're like, cool, cool. They gave us the room. Now this is, this hotel's fine. I will say I've been there before where like some things have happened and it's been pretty rowdy, but all in the sake of entertainment, no problems on my end. This room is on the first floor directly across from the laundry room. This room has a different colored door than all the rest of the rooms. Whenever you go into this room, the staff that speaks Spanish that I can't speak starts giggling and saying something. And then when you get in these rooms, and I've slept in a few rooms in this hotel, Peter, so I know the beds. These are very wobbly. These are not good beds. These are not good. And once again, I said it earlier, this is of no fault of the promotion. They are wonderful. I love them. I will stay at this hotel again. This is not a complaint. This is a story that we figured out together. Now, Dan the dad, pretty smart guy because he's, you know, a dad, got coffee. We get along pretty well, though, because I'm a daddy. He's a dad. We have a lot of the same things on our mind, like eating cake and, uh, no, like real cake, like actual, like we like desserts. Um, but he looks at me and he goes, this, uh, this room. And I go, yeah, this room. And I go, guy, I got a theory, Dan. He says, what? I think this is the fuck room. He goes, what do you mean? Go, well, it's directly across from the staff laundry. The staff keeps laughing when we come in here. It's not as updated or kept as the rest of the rooms. And these beds are definitely used. And this was the room because we wanted to check in early that was immediately available and not rented out to anyone. Dan, I think they use this room uh, as a keep it empty just in case, but we've always got it open in case we want to go slide in there and and have a little party and have a little uh, fun time. And now I may be speaking out of turn, but the energy I got from that room was, I think that this is the sneak away, come on in, you want to go have some fun room. God bless him for letting us in early, but I would have waited another hour Mm -hmm. and gone back to the mall with Dan the dad and gotten another waffle if we could have gotten a non-fuck room. I still slept okay, I guess. Or maybe I didn't sleep. I don't know. Let me think. Let me think. Because I had to go first and pay my magic tributes to the man himself, Prince. We got up to this venue and it's crazy because Minneapolis is very cold. So a lot of the stuff is outdoor sidewalk and it looks like a city, but they also have these kind of above street covered sidewalks through these buildings as well. But there's also a lot of entrances that you can't even really tell are there. And they hit the garage and you pull inside of this garage at First Avenue. And it's this big atrium and it's all stone and it's covered on all sides by concrete. And it's huge. Like it could fit tour buses and 18 wheelers and that like massive. And right away you see Prince's reserved parking space with the star, this spot reserved for Prince. And then there's a covered tarp on something and they go, there's the bike. Now folks, it is a replica of the bike used in the movie, but it's an exact replica. I'm calling it Prince's bike. I don't care. They said it used to be parked in the parking spot. And I said, what happened? And they said, David Arquette fucked it up taking pictures on it. And I said, damn you, David Arquette. And then I thought, well, he had to leave wrestling because he got his neck got cut open. So maybe, I don't know, something happened with, with the deep karmas of it. He's in the new Scream movie, though. So, But I did want to take a picture of the bike. You couldn't do it anymore. It doesn't matter. We had some chicken wings next door, normal stuff, regular stuff. But you got to stay inside because it's so cold there. And I'm not used to it. I'm not used to this much cold. But you kind of are walking around this room and you're like, oh, like you keep noticing angles where you're like, oh, this angle, that angle. 
Like he stood right there, but they've got a wrestling ring right in the middle of where the crowd would be, which is even crazier. And it's so tight that they've got the guardrails up against the wrestling ring and call it forgetfulness or call it not paying enough attention or call it just going, I know I'll be fine. I had forgotten what I was even doing on this show. It was not announced. And I found out that night that they wanted me to go attack Darren Corbin when he asked for a fight. And I giggled a little when I said Darren Corbin. And we have a lot in common, myself and Darren Corbin. Darren's been wrestling for a very long time. He's been through a lot of iterations of who the next hot indies are. He's worked with everyone you can imagine. He's been up and down the coast and the coldest and the hottest. Uh, And he is always a pleasure to work with in the sense that you can just beat the shit out of him. He was going to talk some shit, and they said, we'll hit your music. Go go fake him out and, and make him feel it. I said, cool. This is easy. This is great. Pretty early in the show, too. They hit my music after he runs his mouth for a while. All of a sudden, dude, I'm walking through this curtain. I'm used to my music. Dude, I just stopped. It was incredible. I was in the same spot. I was in that same spot. And I just stood, and I just took it in. And it was so intense. And that's when it's shifted. Now, listen, both of us are expected as these sort of silly, you know, I'm a little silly gay boy and he's a little silly deer and Corbin, you know, ginger snap. We're silly comedy guys to some people because they don't pay attention. But the energy in that room, bubba, me and Prince have the same birthday. I didn't say it publicly on the show. I tweeted it. So I feel a lot of kinetic energy with Prince and I didn't know how that energy was going to come out. I wanted to feel that, uh, energy raw form and see where it took us. And I said, wherever it takes me, it takes me. And I thought it would make me a little more showman. And I, maybe it did. And I thought it would make me, the, but it made me so violent. It made me incredibly violent. Peter, the energy in that room was just begging us to kill each other. And we were within a few minutes of this match, you know, he's already pouring blood. I slammed a fucking baking sheet into his face so hard that the the thing split afterwards. He he got stitches and it looks like he got a facelift almost because they had to plug his face back together. Now you saw this. I mean, I put a trash can on my head like the great Sasuke and jumped on top of a chair that he moved from trying to kill this man. There was tables and chair shots and blood and uh, uh, you know, I tried to rip his throat open with a chair too. This is craziness. And in the end, he, he got one over on me. And I think that was fine because if the violence had continued, one of us may have damn well lost our lives. And sometimes when you're on these shows where you go, man, well, these are pretty casual fans to wrestling. Some of them have been watching a lot of wrestling all weekend. I think the combination of sitting through that beautiful bloodlust death match tournament the day before But not even that, but standing on that stage and that energy going in you like a lightning bolt, it got so violent so quick that I was like, this is, uh, this is magic. I didn't expect the energy to come through this way, but here we are, we're in the zone and we're in this magic and it got a lot out of my system, but I do sit here today with a wrist brace on and I have been hobbling around like a, like a pretty old man with all the leg injuries though, that had occurred, uh, there's severe bruising up and down my leg and hip, but nothing is broken or fractured. My knees are fine. My wrist is possibly boxer fractured, but that's like, that happens and who cares? I'll wear the, you know, the brace up until the match and then I'll take it off for the match. You just rolled your eyes so heavy at me, Peter. Because you walked in and told me I can't feel my hand. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's kayfabe that. Let's tell him I can feel it. Tell him it just is sore or something. You know what I mean? I can I can feel all of my hands. I feel so good. Okay. Oh, my neck's fine. Hold on one second. 
Okay, cool. I'm just gonna cut that. No, it's, I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I'm 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 playing it up with you a little bit. You don't have to cut any of that. I don't care. Minneapolis, what an energy. After this, everybody wanted to go out though, but at this point, between getting to the hotel at like 4 a.m. Friday night, between Saturday night going out to the casino till super, super late, and then catching that baby a.m. flight, I said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to relax. Ended up just smoking with people, hanging out with people, but I still had such an electric energy. I was like, I'm going to go to bed, but people want to hang out. You're in Minneapolis. You want to see your friends. I ended up just staying up until the flight hit and flew out of Minneapolis at 5.30 a.m., came right home. Hello, welcome. And then... I wake up and I'm on stream. It's incredible how fast these things happen. It's incredible how quick the turnaround is. I mean, it was, I, I some people are like, you're delusional in those streams. You really play it out. I said, I've been through a crazy, I've been living in wrestling and now I'm watching wrestling with you and I'm taking it in. What a magic time. Don't listen. I do some good commentary on the Twitch stream, but don't take my commentary thought as that. That's just, that's free form. Get it out of my system. There's wrestling on it. I'm going to pay attention to a little of it. You know, that's not, that's not all the way, uh, deep, deep coverage of the wrestling there on Monday nights, but I try my best on Monday, not raw, but let me tell you about deep coverage. You want deep coverage of the things you like? Well, you need to check out rock and roll fables. They have sickening coverage of the world of music, comics, fantasy, media, and everything you can imagine. Rockandrollfables.com to check it out, or even easier, it's on Twitter, RNR Fables, RNR Fables. And listen, I, I once again, I'm going to go back to the website. Just I won't even read the whole thing, but this is sick. Rock and Roll Fables is the collection of like-minded people who believe that rock and roll is inherently fantastical, utterly unbelievable, absolutely fucking amazing. I do too. Check it out, guys. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show, Rock and Roll Fables. We're going to have them as a sponsor here, and I'm going to get creative in the coming weeks. Uh, but if you want to sponsor, weekendateffies at gmail.com. And if you want to send me stuff in the mail, it is it is a P.O. Box, so get ready. P.O. Box, 18799, Atlanta, Georgia, 31126. Anything you want to send me, I'll take it. I'll open it. I'll eat it. I'll stick it. I'll wear it. I don't know. I'm into it. Shout out all those Deathmatch crazies. That is... Deathmatch live in tournament form, the one thing you notice more than just like, oh, there was a deathmatch on the show, the smell of iron in the room is so overwhelming because of everyone's blood starting to dry and all the glass fumes. Uh, there was controversy that I will address at the end of this show. Brett Lauderdale did catch a light tube as it flew out of the ring, caught it in his hand in the entranceway. So people were saying he was helped by the referee. The referee was trying to make sure he was in the good positioning but Brett grabbed that tube. Shout out to the referee, Max Recon, who was out there helping, but Brett grabbed that tube. I love it. Damn. I see too much death match because Charlie Evans, she had a very severe injury in her match where her head split open. Shout out Charlie Evans. We love you. Support Charlie Evans. But she goes, I have to go get stitches or something. And I go, well, show me. And she shows me in her hair. And the first thing I said was, you have such healthy hair. Like even down to the root, it's really, really well. She goes, oh, thank you. And I go, that cut does need staples, though. I would go ahead and get it stapled. The stitches are not going to get through that scalp as quick. It'll be faster anyway. But really, your hair, like beautiful hair down to the root. Incredible. Shout out Chicago Rob at the end. Shout out Chicago Rob. Peter, what do we got? Would you like to answer a question? We I literally just hit an hour. 
We can save it. For I knew this week. one would be a little bit longer because there was just so much I had to get through and think about. But I do want to hit a question. Let's do it. This is from Robert Blake. Watching your Ring of Honor promo and it's glorious makes me wonder who are the wrestlers who cut promos that inspired you. What are some of your favorite promos? Love from Pittsburgh. Well, thank you, uh, and thank you for that. And I think I did. I mention the one take on that because I gave a real rowdy speech in a car to someone about the one take. I, I okay. So. I don't think so either. I want to talk about this Ring of Honor promo because I came in the room and I'll be honest, was kind of being a dick to everyone, but not in a real, in a like, I'm a very pleasant dick, but I'm a very like stern is probably a better. I was being very stern and direct. And they said, we need you to go cut a promo for this match. I said, perfect. So I go in and they said, you know, here's the setup. Here's this. And I said, cool. I said, you, you guys get one take. And they said, oh, everybody says that. But then they got to do a few takes. I said, no, 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 you guys get one take. I'm going to give you one take. I, I will always do it in one take. I'm, I'm giving you one take. And he was, okay, well, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I said, okay. I've, I cut my promo. I cue it over to AJ Gray. He clears the house, cuts it down. And the guy goes, okay, really good. Can we do it one more time? There's something at the sound at the beginning. I want to make sure I get the sound right on that. And I go... So it's, so the first take was fine. It was you. And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay, but now I'm having to do it again. Guys, guys don't understand that kind of confidence. I'm not coming in cocky to tell you like, I'm like, look, I know I'm going to say the thing. I'm going to say a thing I just Uh thought of and I'm going to do it once and it'll be right. The more I sit here and ravish over these words and do it, that ain't off the cuff anymore. That ain't the spirit of Effie. That ain't the spirit of one take. My matches, one take. My promos, one take. Let's go, one take. Acting, they asked me to do a few takes, but it's always the first take. Like, let's trust the natural first take energy. Don't make me think about this. And get your sound right before you click go. I had to do it the other day at another promotion where I said, y'all have one take. They don't listen. Y'all have one take. And they said, oh, yeah, everybody says that. And I go, y'all have one take. They said, the color was, the coloring wasn't right on it. I said, oh, so it wasn't me. Y'all have one take. Uh, no offense to anyone, though. They're trying their best. That's, but That's such a production thing, though, to be like, you know, we're going to make it better as we go. And uh, it's a mm. slow, grueling process. And that's what we're all here for. Effie has high expectations. You know, but that promo was fun. It had to be at least PG-13. We did say we were coming for their necks. Uh, promos for me aren't always inspired by wrestling. I think wrestling promos get a little tropey. I've often said, and I say it in my seminars, as goofy as it may get at times, pro wrestling is still an emulation of a fight, not an emulation of pro wrestling. And I believe in the promotion, it has to read in that way as well, where if your motivations are like, oh, we're, we're going to be a dominant brand that I was on the other brand a week ago, or, you know, the, the glory in my heart for this opportunity, or I've worked so hard. A lot of these things are tropey or they're baseline. You know, I work hard too. I don't have to tell everyone. I, you know, we all have struggled through things. We've all had hardships. We've all overcome things. You have to find different motivations, I think, in these promos. And so I often look at like movie monologues. I look at Kanye West cutting promos. I look at, uh, you know, you can watch certain speeches that are done on award shows for effect or done at big events for effect where, even political speeches will sometimes have those minute clips that are the best to pull from. You have to create desire in people to see what you're doing. You have to create motivation in people to take action based on, you know, the kind of drama or story you are giving them. I think the story of both of these competitors are very proficient and well-versed is 
can be done, but is done all the time and is not always done to the best effect and doesn't always highlight the most characteristic portions of, of what they should. But when you highlight different things and different motivations in a feud that people wouldn't expect, especially with things that may seem absurd uh, coming across, you're catching them off guard, you're getting people's attention, and then by staying almost straight man to the goofiness of whatever my motivation may be, um, I am creating a serious tone where if he cares this much about it, I got to see what's going to happen when he can put action to his thoughts and his cares. I try to promo all the time and I used to give different advice to people where I said, listen, the best way to promo is whenever you're out in public, not being rude to anywhere, not being weird. Imagine yourself as a different character every time you're dealing with anyone, but customer service deals with too much dumb shit and you TikTokers cause too much grief for people in customer service. I'm talking about doing things like, um, does, does the cheese come on a Whopper or, or is it separate? Like the cheese does not come on a Whopper. It's, you have to, well, I'm glad I asked then. I, I believe, I believe I'm going to add Whopper, uh, add, add, a, add a bit of cheese to the Whopper. I'd like to have it American style. It's very odd to me that you don't have cheese on this sandwich when it's one of the premier sandwiches. If I think of a hamburger, I think of the cheese being one of the primary things that you Americans are, are, are reaching for. So it is odd that you add, add the extra step to sort of, uh, I'll do one of the apple pies as well. Like that is good because there's no, there's no risk to it. Nobody's filming it. Nobody's hurting at it. You're just playing around and seeing how you get into a character and where they're at and what they think. Uh, but with a promo, and this is the oldest trick in the book, right? And it's the same thing as in a movie. If the guy was just like, if the villain in a movie was like, I'm going to kill you because you're stupid and I hate you and you're ugly, you'd be like, well, that's not even like... What motivation is it? If you think he's stupid and ugly and you hate him, then why even put thought to him? Why not be apathetic towards him? No, you got to say, Peter, Peter, I have to get rid of you. I have to take you out of my life because the longer you are here, the more you reveal, the more you tell to these people, the more you risk them knowing where all the secrets are kept. And if I can't get rid of you now, then I know that my power is going to keep drifting away from me. And the longer I wait, the harder it's going to be. The harder it's going to be to take you where I need to take you to take you away from me and Peter we may have been friends for a long time and you may have seen sides of me that you think are pretty great but now as much as it hurts me I've got to keep myself alive and the only way I can do that well you'll find out you'll find out on Saturday August 15th when I take you out at Slamtasia 51 you know like they're now they're going wait a second what's why is he I don't necessarily, I'm not coming in and going, I'm a bad man doing bad things, I'll cheat. But some, my, my motivations seem nefarious. They're wondering what you've done. Maybe you're not all the way clean anymore. How is this going to play? How will you respond? But we already have them thinking. And with a good promo, it's a hell of a lot easier to figure out the match. Because uh, you already have a through line. And guys like to fight the through line. They want to fight the through line with what they call work rate or what they call, you know, highlighting certain things they can do that they think make them more interesting. When in fact, like Nick Bockwinkle, we should be able to do any maneuver. We should use the maneuvers that we need, not want to do, and we should find the through line. Tell the story. The promo is a big part of that. That was a long answer to that. Yeah, that was. that's what they want, though, right? A hundred percent. How was that promo, Peter? Did it scare you? It's scary. I'm both worried for my life and excited for my future at the same time. We're keeping the partnership going. I'm extending the partnership, Peter. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, if you would like to uh, talk to us about 
partnering up, you can sponsor the podcast. Email us at weekendandeffies at gmail.com. And if you'd like to ask Effie a question. Or Peter. Ask Peter a question. Yeah, you could ask me a question. Ask Peter anything you want to ask Peter. I mean, he got to jump in on some wrestling stuff. We're going to keep bringing him around the weirdness as much as we can. These Thanksgiving December flights are killing me. But as we get into the new year, I think we'll be a little more cleared up on bonus airfares. You know? Absolutely. It's a lot easier then. But show us love uh, and be mindful. <laughs>